The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you again. And um, my job is to bring the word, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. So take your Bibles and go with me to uh, Matthew, the 28th chapter, very last chapter in the book of Matthew, and we're going to look at the very uh, last four or five verses in that chapter. We know it is the Great Commission, uh, and uh, I want to walk us through those verses, perhaps from a different angle, but nonetheless nailing down the reason Christ came and why he sends us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this church, for its witness. Thank you for its leadership. And I thank you for this opportunity to share the word with them. As we go to your word now, Lord, speak so that you might be heard. Hide me so that you might be seen. And your name be lifted high. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Great Commission. Then I'm going to begin at verse 16, uh, reading at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and preach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we usually see this passage, as I said earlier, as the Great Commission. And uh, it is, it, it points out for us several things. The first thing that I want us to see is a messianic authority. A messianic authority. That's what uh, witnessing is about. That, that's what winning and sending and discipling is about. It, it, it's, it is, it is uh, built upon and... and uh, uh, developed by messianic authority. No man can make it happen. No institution can make it happen. It is. It happens by messianic authority. I um, uh, I see in Matthew several instances where Jesus focuses or or Matthew, I should say, focuses on the authority of Christ. So let's look at a few of those passages this morning as we, as we think of this, this idea of messianic authority. Because as Jesus speaks to his disciples, he says, all power is given unto me. He didn't say some power. He didn't say Sunday morning power. He didn't say just spiritual power. He said all power. He, he, he meant all power, y'all. I mean, power that, 
that, that is bigger, stronger, and larger than any other power that we know of. He says, all power has been given unto me. In, in the seventh chapter of Matthew, verse 29, uh, the author says, For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so he had an authority in teaching. Why? Because he was teaching the word of God. And he was teaching it in a way so that the people could understand it. So they could get their heads around it. So, so that they could put it into their hands and their feet and live it out on a daily basis. He taught with authority. And, and that's what we need today. We need churches that are preaching and teaching him. Not, not current events. Not uh, things that tickle the ear. Not things that are necessarily interesting or all the time makes us feel good. But the word of God. He taught with authority. Further, in, in uh, chapter 8 of Matthew... We see that he had authority over sickness. It says, and behold, there came a leper and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I wilt be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleaned. He, he, he had authority over sickness. He has authority in his teaching, and he has authority over sin. Look, look uh, uh, with me in chapter 9, verse 6. He says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. Then saith, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise. Take up thy bed and go unto thy house. He has authority over sin. He was healing this man with palsy while forgiving his sins. He, his, his authority exceeds anything that we can imagine. Further chapter 10 of Matthew, and we see he has authority over Satan. He says in 10.1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. He gave authority to his disciples. Not only did he weld this authority, not only did he hold it in his hand, but he delegated this authority uh, uh, to his disciples. And that's where the Great Commission comes in, because you see, we have been given an authority to go and win. We have been given an authority to disciple. The book of Matthew says that Jesus has authority over all things. And in this, in this chapter 10, verse 1 verse, he delegated that authority to his disciples. He called unto him his disciples. 
and gave them authority against unclean spirits. That's the devil, y'all. That's, that's, that's Satan. That, that's, that's the old serpent called Lucifer. That he, he has given us that authority as we walk with him. Not, it's not an authority that we use to make money or to grow a business uh, or, or not even to grow a church. It is, it, is not, it is not an authority that is designed for uh, 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 enterprise. It is an authority for de- proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and creating an atmosphere, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your cubby at work, whether it's in your cubicle at work, whether it's in the classroom or the boardroom, it is an, uh, an environment He has given us an authority to be a reflection of him, to demonstrate his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and his peace. He has given us an authority to overcome any of the problems that we live with today. But we've been so indoctrinated by the world, we rather run to appeal than run to the prophet named Jesus. We would rather run to a counselor than run to Christ, the King. But he's given us authority. And I'm not saying these things aren't necessary in our world. They are. But Jesus has authority over any kind of appeal. Jesus has more wisdom than any counselor. Jesus is a lawyer that's never lost a case. He's a physician that's never lost a patient because he has authority. Think of what John said in, 20, in John 20, 21. He quotes Jesus there. And he says, then said Jesus to them, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. Here's here's Jesus now wrapping up the gospel of John. and, And he says, as my father sent me, I am sending you. Well, how did the father send the son? He sent him with authority. He sent him on an assignment, a mission. And he sent him with assurance. And that's how. We are being sent. Jesus is saying, I am sending you exactly the way the Father sent me. With authority. On an assignment. And with assurance. And so, I want to move on as we, as we look at the Great Commission. I want us, I want us to see uh, uh, a little more about this, but... It is, it is the authority of Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to be him in our world. And we can be him without offending anyone. We can be him without uh, 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 disgracing anyone. We, we can be him simply by living out his word and allowing his authority, moving in his name. I grew up in an automotive repair shop, and um, uh, my dad's name is 
James Calloway, and so the shop was called J.C.'s Auto. Sometimes I think he thought it meant Jesus Christ, but it never did. <laughs> but, but I remember when I got to the age where I could drive and I was a little bit older and he was giving me additional, some additional responsibilities, he said, he sent me to the East Georgia parts store. He says, now I want you to go up there and I want you to get some plugs and some and a set of points and a rotor cap for this car that we're about to tune up. And he says, but, but listen, when you get up there, you tell them you came for JC. I said, okay. I was so excited. I'm getting to drive the truck. I'm getting to go to the parts store. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, I'm growing up. I'm somebody. <laughs> and so I get up there and I walk in and, and I've been there many times with him. And, and so I go in and, and I say, I need points, plugs, and a rotor button. Guy gave them to me. Charged me. I paid him. I got the parts. I went back to the store. I went back to the shop. My dad looked at the receipt and he says, boy, what did you do? He says, they charged you enough to buy five of each. Did you tell him you came for JC? I said, no, I just told him what I needed. He says, that's where you messed up. And so it is true with us as we, as we attempt to live out our Christian lives in an unchristian world. We are moving in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and make no mistake about it, there's authority in that name. Mountains move at that name. Troubles are resolved at that name. Diseases are dismissed at that name. Light takes over darkness at that name. We can't go in our authority and expect to win sin and disciple. We've got to go in his authority. And so the first thing we see in the Great Commission is a messianic authority. He says, that is the authority in which we must go. I want us to see, secondly, now, I want us to see a missional assignment. A missional assignment. As I travel the world, travel the country, from church to church, and uh, uh, it, it is, it is, it's become uh, clear to me that uh, not all churches are preaching and teaching him. It, it has become clear, uh, and perhaps to you as well, that, that many times the goal is something different than win, sin, and disciple. It's build a big building. It's gather a big crowd. It's have a large budget. It's a whole lot of other things. And we think, that we're doing the Great Commission because we've got a big, a big crowd of folks gathered and, and, and the majority of those folk, I remember being in a church, I, I never will forget this because it was, it, was, uh, it was a learning experience for me. Big church, lots of folk, love Jesus, this, that, and the other. And, and, and I was there to preach on evangelism and missions. And I said, let me see the hand. It's about a thousand people in there. I said, let me see the hands of everyone that has ever in their lifetime shared their faith personally with a lost person. I could count the hands that were raised on one hand. Because... 
we've gotten distracted from the assignment. The assignment is to grow spiritual people. It's not to grow churches. This microphone's driving me crazy. It's not to grow churches. It's to grow spiritual people. That's what Jesus did. That's what the word of God does. It makes us spiritual as we study it. And that's what gives us an appetite and a, and a thirst for going and telling and showing and doing under the authority of Jesus Christ. He says, he says that uh, there's a missional assignment. He says that in verse 19. As you go, make disciples. As you go, make disciples. Let me, let me, let me parse this verse the word go is not the command in this verse. The word go is simply a present uh, participle of going. The command is make disciples. The command is make disciples. You see, he, while you are doing, here's what the verse literally says in the Greek. While you are doing, make disciples. While you are going, Make disciples. We uh, uh, expanded translation says, as you are going on your daily routine, make disciples. He didn't say Tuesday night visitation. (laughs) He said, as you are buying groceries, filling up the fuel tank, as you are cutting the grass, as, as you are doing whatever you do Monday through Friday, nine to five, he says, make disciples. It's a missional assignment. As you go, make disciples. The word disciple in the early church meant more than being a believer and or a church member. It meant being a follower of your teacher. And if we call ourselves followers of Christ, then we must focus on the thing that Christ wants us to focus on. And that is winning souls to him. That is changing our world by changing hearts one at a time. And obviously we can't change hearts. But under the authority of Jesus Christ, As we carry out our assignment, Christ, by his spirit and his word, will change hearts. And changed hearts are the things that changes communities. And changed communities is that which change nations. We want change. We want better things for our country as believers in Christ. And we need to get busy with sharing the gospel, showing the gospel, serving the gospel. You know, I mentioned last week practical ministry. Let me tell you, evangelism is both personal and practical. 
You're not an evangelist because you give money to send a missionary somewhere. Jesus says, you go. You're not evangelical because you give to a corporative program that says, that sends missionaries, and that's good. I'm not knocking that. But God pointed to us through Christ that he wants us involved. Missions is practical and it is personal. And if you, if you meet a stranger... and attempt to find some practical need in that person's life. You can open the door for an opportunity to share the gospel. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how true that is. I, I have spent the last 40 years doing ministry by meeting practical needs. And, and I've led more people to the Lord in the streets than I have in the sanctuary. In fact, I'd have a dismal record if I depended on who walked down the aisles on Sunday morning. But when you get out there in the street and you, you see somebody that's, that's struggling... Somebody that's sick, they don't have insurance, they don't have money, they don't have any advocates. You say, well, there's a clinic over there that Jesus planted. And there are doctors in there that's not going to charge you anything. I can't tell you how many souls have come to Christ because of things like that. I remember once just stopping on the side of the road and helping a lady with a flat tire. And I had on my starched white shirt. I didn't want to change a tire. When I left my daddy's shop, I didn't want to do nothing else to a car. But it changed her tire and it changed her life. It's personal. God wants you and you and me involved. It's not just about sending missionaries. It's about seeing ourselves as missionaries. Evangelism is a every member ministry. It's not for the preacher. It's not just for those in the pulpit. It's an every member ministry. Everybody ought to be involved in evangelism. There's a missional assignment. There's messianic authority. And I want us to see finally a magnanimous assurance. He says in verse 20, And lo, I will be with you until the end. God says, no matter what you run into, I'm going to be there. When I started my ministry 40 years ago, I learned that evangelism is the goal, God would provide our needs. I mean, we literally started with nothing. And little by little, every attempt we made to share the gospel, God would meet our needs. We had clothes and food. When you fast forward to the day, we've got housing and medical care, soon to have a dental clinic. 
all kinds of ways to meet practical needs with a view towards evangelism. Lost people from all walks of life have been impacted because of carrying out the missional assignment under the messianic authority knowing that we have a magnanimous assurance. I want to tell you, we had some, I, you know, I talk about it and it might sound like it was easy, but it wasn't. You're talking to somebody sweat bullets every time payroll comes around. I mean, payroll's got to be made and, 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 and we, are, we are a faith-based organization. You know what that means? The money ain't in the bank. <laughs> Our faith is in Jesus that he's going to put it there by the time we need it. But listen, the money is not in the bank. But we never met a pay, missed a payroll. <laughs> not one time. Because the goal is evangelism. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, he says here, I will be with you until the end. So why be afraid with the marvelous assurance that he's never going to leave us? He's always going to be there. Why not make disciples? Why not, why not teach them what we know about Jesus? God says, I'm going to be there. And you know, the greatest, the greatest thing that the enemy uses to keep us from witnessing is doubt and fear. I might say the wrong thing. I might not be the perfect witness. Well, none of us are. We have a room full of imperfect witnesses. Suppose I don't quote the scripture right. You don't have to worry about stuff like that. Jesus says, I'm there. I am the Bible. <laughs> and he says, with my spirit in you, I'll give you the right verse to quote. I'll give you the right thing to say. If your goal is to achieve the missional assignment, which is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 8. Now, I'm wrapping this up, but this is an example of this, this whole uh, uh, great commission worked out in Paul's ministry. In Acts, I'm sorry, chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, and Paul is entering Corinth. And I want us to see how Paul dealt with uh, uh, this situation. I also want us to see how the Spirit of God dealt with Paul in that situation. Because it is exactly the way the Spirit of God and the Scriptures of God will deal with you and I when we are going for the sake of of evangelism. He says, I want to see first of all, 8, 18 1. 
And these things, after these things, departed Paul from Athens and came to Corinth. First thing we see is that Paul went. Paul went to Corinth. He, he had to leave where he was and go. Often, that is, that is uh, uh, what happens in evangelism. We've got to leave where we are and go somewhere else. And I'm not talking overseas, international. I, I'm not even talking around the corner. We've got to leave our place of comfort and go where God is sending us. That's what Paul did. 18.8, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Paul led them to Christ. He was preaching the word of God. He's out, he, was, he, he wasn't in his comfort zone anymore, but he, he went and he preached the word of God. He was bold enough to share the word of God. In a heathen city, in a city that was overrun with all kinds of idols and false gods and, 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 and uh, things that were ungodly, things and people that were ungodly. Paul came to the city. Paul led them to Christ. Look at verse 11. And he continued there three and a half years teaching the word of God among them. He didn't just lead them to Christ, he taught them. He discipled them. So often we think that going is evangelism. No, going is, is, is the part of us accepting what God has called us to do, but making disciples is what follows. We can't just bring a baby into a spiritual world and leave him or her to fend for themselves. We've got to disciple them. We've got to teach them. We've got to show them by example as well as, as, well as by uh, the word of God how to live out this faith, how to be that witness that Christ wants us to be. So we see Paul went to the city. Paul led them to Christ. Paul taught them. Look at, look at verses uh, 9 and 10. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this place. We can go and we can do it because Jesus is with us. We have a magnanimous assurance. I will never leave you low. I will be with you until the end. That's what Jesus promises us. And so we ought to, we ought to willingly uh, get up and go because the world is dying and going to hell in a handbasket and we sitting around on our blessed assurances. We need to be going and telling the world about Jesus. I remember a trip I took to Central Africa, African Republic. C-A-R. And I was there for four days. And my job was to train church planters. And uh, 
I was staying in a compound the first night there. I want to tell you, the only asphalt in that city is on the, is on the runway. There, there's, there's no infrastructure. I got off, off the airplane, got, came out of the airport, got in a Toyota Corolla that had a million miles on it and eight other people in it. I was out of my comfort zone. Way out of my comfort zone. And they took me to this hotel. This hotel had little like adobe houses with straw thatch roofs. And it was surrounded by a cylinder block wall, a concrete block wall. And my hut was right next to the wall. I mean, there was a passageway between the huts and the wall. The wall was maybe 10 or 12 feet high. There was no barbed wire, nothing on top of that wall, just, just a wall. Now, I don't know how much you know about world history, but there's a whole lot of trouble in CAR. It was then and it is now. But I was there in that little adobe hut thing with the thatch roof. And I was the most miserable person you can imagine. There was dust, black dust falling. I had this twin bed and there, the room was large enough for a twin bed and, and, and just enough space for me to walk past the bed to the bathroom. And there was a window in the bathroom and, and, and uh, there was there was uh, smoke, cigarette smoke coming through that window. And I could hear some movement outside that window. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep in here until I figure out what's out there smoking. And so I prayed, I thought, I planned. <laughs> and so I decided I'm going to walk out this door I'm going to turn to the left and I'm going to stand between the wall and the hut and I'm going to see what it is and shine my flashlight right in its face. And I did that. And I had, I had a little knife in my right hand, a flashlight in my left hand. I had the word in my heart, but I had a knife in my hand. <laughs> and, and, and I put that flashlight and the eyes of that man lit up and I said, what are you doing under my window? He said, the manager of the hotel told me that the man of God was in this hut. And I was to sit here and make sure no enemies come across the wall. And lo, I am with you until the end. Just go. Just make disciples. Let God handle the results. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to go, to win, and then to send those that we've won. Lord, may you write your word upon our hearts and 
cause us to be anxious to go and to be you in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.